Welcome to the second Hoopsville podcast of the week and of the season. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA NABC studios with our partners at D3Hoops.com and Blue Frame Technology. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. Hope you enjoyed the first podcast of the season. If you missed it, which we released a couple of days ago, check it out. We had a great conversation with the head of the system at Greenville. It is Dr. George Barber. He joined us to talk about his system and everything involving it, why it's a little bit different than what everybody's used to. Also had a great conversation about playing in the pandemic, the challenges there is, how he got games and the like. It was a great conversation that many, I guess some didn't realize how funny George Barber is. And to be honest with you, that conversation was a little bit more subdued than the ones we've had with him in the past. He's uh, he's a riot at times. Uh, definitely check that out. And, and thanks also to Kendra Hassel, who was on from Harden Simmons, explaining trying to play down in Texas and their goal of hopefully, hopefully playing 25 games this season. They had 24 scheduled when we talked. So great conversations to have with them, and uh, please take the time to listen to that if you get the chance. Uh, don't forget, our third podcast of the week will be coming up. It'll be more administratively built. We talked to a couple athletics directors who have been at the uh, forefront of this COVID fight, but have taken different routes uh, of late, just because different institutions and different regions and all of that. So uh, that'll be coming up in the next grouping that comes out uh, by the end of the week. In this show today, we're going to talk to schools that are not playing because of the coronavirus, whether they made the decision themselves or the conference made the decision for themselves. Remember, three conferences so far, the SUNYAC, the MASCAC, and the CUNYAC, in that order, decided no conference play, no conference tournament, and conference schools would not be playing. Other conferences, those who have made the decision, have not gone down that route. They've just canceled conference competition and allowed some autonomy for their schools. So the MASCAC, the SUNYAC, and the CUNYAC shut everything down. We will talk today with Mike Blaine of Plattsburgh State. You might remember he was at Medai a few years back. We'll talk to Mike about dealing with that cancellation that is essentially out of their control, talking to his team, what his plan has been, etc. And then we'll head down to Atlanta. Well, actually, not down. We'll start down in Atlanta, really. Talk to Misha Jackson, the head coach of the women's program at Emory. Talk about not playing there, especially considering a number of schools around Atlanta and around Emory's location are planning to play. But why has Emory chosen not to, along with the uh, most of the rest of the UAA? Great conversations with both. I hope you find them just as informative as we did um, moving forward. A reminder, for more information and to stay up to date on who's canceled, who's not, who's postponed and whatnot, you can go to d3hoops.com and d3sports.com. We have those uh, updates up there. I've been staying on top of things. Admittedly, the last couple of days have been somewhat quiet. We, uh, When we re- recorded the last podcast, we missed one school that had announced a decision in SUNY Old Westbury. Not surprising there. We're hearing it won't be the last decision to come out of the Skyline Conference in terms of membership. I suspect we're going to see some more from the state schools But some other privates are now looking to not play. And that's going to put what we had reported on Skyline plans a little bit in jeopardy. Originally, we had tweeted this out several weeks back. The Skyline was looking at a 7-5 split. Seven members who were going to come back sometime in January, be able to play, do a conference schedule amongst those seven, and be eligible for the AQ and NCAA tournament play. The other five were going to come back at a later time 
that was going to not allow them to be involved with the NCAA. So they were going to play their own grouping as a five at whatever time allowed them and just not be eligible for the AQ. The first crack resulted in both St. Joseph's Brooklyn, St. Joseph's Long Island saying that they were not going to play. That Those two came from the original seven grouping. So that seven group was down to five along with the other five. Now SUNY Old Westbury has made a decision. They come from that second five who were going to come back later anyway. So they're down to four. But now I'm hearing that original group of five is in trouble um, they may lose another member, and I know there's there's some in that group that really want to play and are trying to find ways to get games in if it allows. Other members may not be. It it really gets tenuous, especially for anybody in the New York area. You, the regions are so, so important here. Remember, New York was a center focus point of so many challenges when it came to this virus right out of the gate that it that governments and administrations and, and locales and health departments are a little bit more on edge and a little bit quicker to make decisions that may make it very difficult for schools to play. Go out to California, the same deal in the L.A. County area. We talked about the Sky Act being a challenge. We, I've heard that, you know, Cal Lou may try to play. I've got conflicting information on whether Chapman wants to play, and I've been told Redlands wants to play. As for the rest in L.A. County, the rest of that conference most likely won't be able to play, as we mentioned on the last show. Because they're in L.A. County and the other three are outside L.A. County. It, it, th those dynamics are so complicated, so complicated, and, and really a reason for why half the time we get these decisions that are a little bit different, even in the same area as everybody else is in, uh, and it confuses some people. Uh, I get it. I'm, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly not um, necessarily against it. Um, I understand that every institution has its own risk-reward uh, mentality. It's got its own cost to consider. It's got its own challenges to consider, even if they're next door to each other. But I also understand how the, administ uh, the, the governments in the area can also affect things. So very interesting dynamic playing out across the country. Not a lot to update as I record this for numbers in terms of whether we'll qualify for, you know, we'll have an NCAA tournament or not. I wouldn't be surprised this week um, ahead of Christmas when we were supposed to have the Stag Bowl, by the way, uh, that we may get some decisions by the end of the week from a couple other conferences or schools, but then there's going to be a pause. I, I'd be shocked if we, we get any more announcements from any institutions or any conferences until we get to the other side of Christmas or likely New Year's. We already have a couple of who have announced it, like the MIAC has come out and said we'll reevaluate in January. Landmark has already said that. A number of others have said that. They're waiting to see what numbers look like coming out of the holidays. That, that's, the, that's the blunt truth of all this, is they want to see what numbers look like and if they can keep this up. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to make predictions, but I'm, the only thing I will predict is I think we'll get a couple of more, a few more decisions by the end of this week. Um... What, the 18th, I think, at the latest, most likely. That's the Friday. Maybe, I mean, maybe we see something the 21st, but I kind of feel that week of Christmas is going to shut everything down. And then maybe we see something ahead of New Year's of schools who are evaluating, but really it's going to come after New Year's. Uh, that week of the 4th, uh, which is a Monday, January the 4th, I think is when, our, when we're going to take some really significant um, decisions made by schools 
and conferences on whether they're going forward. And it won't stop. And, and again, just because a school or a conference sets a plan doesn't mean that plan is going to change. A plan today is a plan today. It, we, we very easily could have plans change. And I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm, I see this falling apart. What I'm trying to say is just because we see plans doesn't mean we should be, uh, we should certainly be hopeful, but let's be realistic that they could change on us at any point. So lots moving, lots of uh, interesting dynamics at play, and we'll see how it all plays out in the end. Also a reminder on the front of D3hoops.com and D3sports.com, we have our um, um, web story about the challenges that we're going through as an, in, as a, as an institution, I guess is, is an interesting word to use, but as a group. And if you can help us, we would greatly appreciate it. There's more information there. There is a way you can sign up for Patreon, which allows you to sign up for a monthly donation to the cause. If that's not your speed and you'd rather make a lump sum, lump sum donation on that article at the very bottom uh, after Pat Coleman's signature, you'll see a link for a one-time option. Feel free to use that as well. And if you want more information or if you have other thoughts, please get a hold of Pat, myself, Ryan, or Gordon. We, we can, we'll probably funnel them back to Pat, but we'll certainly try and help you out. And we'll have more information on all of this on our third podcast as well, especially how it relates to Hoopsville. And with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get things started talking about canceling, dealing with uh, a, the decision that you will not have a season, dealing or trying to work with your student athletes and let them understand the situation, understand what decisions have to be made, what they can make for decisions, and being there for them. We'll talk to Misha Jackson out of Emory first and then Mike Blaine out of Plattsburgh State. You're listening to the Hoopsville Podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. And, of course, on Instagram at D3Hoopsville there as well. Thanks to all of our partners for us being on the air still. And uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll learn about how basketball isn't being played in some parts of the country. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. 
We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Podcast, which is the second in a series of three this week as we start the 2020-21 season for ourselves, our 18th in show history. Hope you're enjoying it uh, as we're just getting going, obviously, and we hope you enjoyed podcast number one. We're talking about this time around about schools who have made the decision to cancel and not play basketball or other winter sports. It's not an easy decision, and for a number of them, um, it has either come early on or it's come a little bit later here into December, and some will likely make that decision in January. What goes into those decisions? Well, every institution is certainly different. But we headed down south to Emory University to get a sense of what the decision was down there for a couple of reasons. One, the UAA canceling may not have been the biggest surprise, though we had been told that they were certainly working on plans that may have been able to play, understanding it certainly didn't work out. But Emory is down south and surrounded by a number of institutions that are trying to make a go of it, even if they're delayed until January. Emory has called it all off. Makes you wonder what the decisions there were especially at an institution that is at a bit of the forefront of this coronavirus battle. So we decided to turn to Misha Jackson, who's the head coach of the women's basketball program there. Hadn't had a chance to speak to her since she took over the program in 2017 on the interim basis when uh, Christy Thomas Cuddy stepped down suddenly due to health reasons. We talked to her about what the reasons were for shutting down and how she, her team, and everyone else now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach of the Emory women's basketball team. It is Misha Jackson. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Dave, for letting me be here. It's awesome, and I'm really appreciative for you asking me to join the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time, especially, let's be honest, tough circumstances. I, I, I'm not trying to tout, toot my own horn here, but I'm sure you would rather be on the show talking about how successful the program is in any given season. Um, we're not talking about the fact you won't be playing. Yeah, I can. That's a good guess. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm definitely, definitely miss being on the court and, uh, you know, with our players. And I wish I was telling you, hey, Dave, I got to get off. I got to get to some scouts right now. But unfortunately, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> You're scouting different things right now. That's for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I was half ready for the email to come back. Oh, no, I'll talk to you when we're 20 and five and heading <laughs> to the NCAA tournament. Let me start at the beginning of all this. Uh, obviously, the UAA has decided they're not going to have conference play. Not the most surprising thing. Uh, and left it up to the schools. And right now, as of this recording, only two UAA schools are still moving forward in WashU and Rochester. I know that the UAA was looking at one point of trying to do some kind of season, bubble-ish-ish kind of, you know, every couple of weekends and so forth. Did you, did you at any point think that was possible that you guys could be playing or find some way to play or did you kind of understand that maybe this was a fool's errand right yeah I think you know of course as coaches you always want to have some hope because we all want to play of course um with the with the pandemic there's just so many moving parts and I did think you know the plans that were out there were well thought out but you know you turn on the news or you get something from medical medical directors and it could be a whole new question and that one question and answer could change an entire 
entire layout of the plan. So of course, you know, I hoped it would work. Uh, but again, you know, in our conference, it, we did leave it up to each institution. So it would have been tough for us, you know, being from Emory in particular, but I think it would have been tough all around. What makes the UAA so great is what makes it tough in a situation like this with the traveling. Um, and so I think any way you spin it, it was going to be really difficult to accomplish for sure. Since it's not happening, we won't go into the details of plans I had heard, but you guys did decide to scuttle a season, even from an Emory point of view, rather quick decision. I'm curious, kind of, well, let's start with, with the basics. How, how did you approach it with your team? And, and did they kind of have a sense this could be coming? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've been very, very transparent with our players. I try to be all the time, but I think, you know, I didn't want to give false hopes and tell them, you know, nope, it's not. It, it, we, there's a chance. There's a chance. And, you know, they're they're not naive. You know, unfortunately, obviously, fall sports losing their seasons, but they, they've seen that stuff. So, of course, they're wondering what's going on, what's going on. So, I've been keeping them in the loop with any staff meeting and sharing any information I could. And so, it, I think hearing the final words was – it was shocking, of course, um, but I think they I think they definitely wanted to know. I think, um, you know, especially because there are a lot of conferences and schools that announced much earlier than we did uh, before getting the official notice. And so for us, I mean, I did a, I did tell our seniors first um, officially and just kind of talk to them because I wanted to give them the most time to make some decisions and whatnot. And then I actually called each player individually, um, give them some time to to vent, ask questions, and all the questions they asked were all questions that us coaches asked as well. Um, and so, you know, the, they're doers, right? They're student athletes, they're Gen Z, they're millennials or whatnot. They want to do, they're coming up with suggestions. Well, coach, what if we do this? Or what if we test this way? Or what if we raise the money for testing? And it's, it's just a much bigger thing for that. So it was tough for sure, but they understand, of course. Yeah, it, to say they understand, I think, is one that has been undersung in much of this is that student athletes are pretty darn smart especially in division three and and they kind of read the tea leaves pretty well but they're also pretty smart at trying to find the solutions absolutely how tough though is it because let's be honest there are still a wealth of schools around you who are either currently playing or trying to play we should point out or have plans to play as of this recording you are for lack of a better description kind of on your own down there in the atlanta area right now in terms of have said we're not playing in terms of division three. We're not going to go into every other <laughs> ramification. So how does that play out with your student athletes and, and, and others, and even maybe yourself to try and, and kind of understand that this was the decision Emory made? Right. Um, it's difficult. You know, I can't, I can't lie to you about that. That's, that's definitely something our students ask. Well, you know, how, why is somebody playing It's coaches as well? Like why are they playing and we can't play, but, there's just so many factors and there's some, you know, that we didn't understand at that point in time and now have a better understanding. And with the dynamic of Emory, again, we're a very national institution with a very widespread and diverse student population. And so traveling back and forth to campus is a big part of that and playing games. And it comes down to risk tolerance as well. Um, and how, how much are you willing to risk it with what information we had and with that information constantly changing every day. And for those that don't know, the CDC sits on our campus, basically. Um, yeah, you know, right. You know, it's not like, you know, people say that and it's about 10 miles down the road. It's, it's literally on campus for the most part or sits right next to it. And so it's, I, I'm sure as medical professionals and our executive leadership, that's very hard to ignore that information um, when it's sitting right there. And I, I can't say I, I blame them by any means. Of course, we want to play. But I think at the end of the day, they want to make sure everybody's safe. 
I was going to say, there's, there's that dynamic of not only the CDC being essentially on campus, but Emory, like Johns Hopkins and some other locations, are at the forefront of much of this pandemic research or battle or whatever you want to describe, whatever is going on in each campus. So there's also some you know, underlying currents, too. How mm-hmm. much impact, I mean, to, to some degree, I would argue, man, you probably have the testing facilities, you probably have <laughs> the knowledge, you probably have the expertise, you probably, you know, got a lot that could go for you, but mm-hmm. is that also what could go against? Yeah, I guess, you know, it depends on how you look at it against yeah. it's Yes. Yeah, for, it can. Um, it's because we've, we've got those experts for sure that are looking at it. Trust me, Dave, I was like, well, you know, some of our students are already in bio lab. Let's make sure we put them in a hazmat suit. And instead of counting yeast, now they're doing the COVID test. Um, but um, I remember my labs at Emory, so I was thinking, yeah, sure. I can just do my own swab and test it out. That's my lab. That's my Perfect. lab report, right? Nice. There you go. But that, I, that plan I didn't, you know, put on paper too well but um but yeah sure you know that i think it's how i look at it is i do think when we're able to move forward i do think we're going to be most prepared like i i do think once we're able to go i'm i'm not really going to have many hesitations i don't think our students or student athletes will either because i think they'll understand and know that emory was thorough and of course there's more information now sure absolutely uh to backtrack a little bit and and obviously maybe more for an administrator but i'm curious what were some of the the factors that that caused Emory to decide that this was not a risk worth taking? It's and some and a lot of the ones that you've seen kind of on the news and whatnot as well, but obviously ability to test um, and not just test, obviously everyone, but it also following those guidelines for the NCAA. And we know those have changed throughout probably all, you know, how many times from August until now, but testing ability, hospital, hospital capacity. And as you know, and if you're following Georgia is not very low on the COVID numbers. So that's a big thing. I think, you know, Georgia, Georgia being very high with caseload that that didn't help us um, at all, obviously, and being very wide open as well. There's not much, not much closed here, I will say. And so there, that, that's just, those are two very big ones, absolutely, um, that definitely, I'd say those are the two big deciding ones, but ability to test and getting everything under control. And I will say this, with the, the provisions that they put in place are in the cases of state very, very low on campus. Well, if, yeah, I don't know if they've ever raised above it at all, really, but say very, very good number of what you want to see moving forward. Now, that's terrific, though, as I've said with many, and you'll hear in many other interviews, Sometimes it's not the campus and or the, the team or the mm-hmm. department that's, that's going to be the one that brings us to a halt. It's the community and the region. And you right. describe that. And of course, being in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, Emory's hospitals and, and others are certainly probably overwhelmed with the region and the city versus don't need the student body necessarily as well in those factors. So how are you keeping the team engaged? Are, are, you, are you first off allowed to do anything with the team? That should be the most important thing. And, and if allowed, what are you capable or are you doing or what are you waiting to do? That's been the toughest part for sure. Um, and so we have very hands-off approach. So we are not able, we didn't do any in-person practicing at all or anything like that, not be Zoom or anything of that nature. So that was tough. You know, I think at, at the end of the day, what we are hoping for is at least the ability to practice this fall. Um, we're still working on that for the spring. There's a, there's a committee that's in the process of doing that. And I think, you know, all fair as well. That could go in a positive direction. But yes, uh, so no practice. So a lot of Zooms and how we've been keeping them engaged. It's just been different things. We've been able to meet in person from a distance, just keeping the number small. And so been able to do that mask on and apart and everything. But it's, uh, 
it's hard. And some of the times it's just calling them just to check in on them, see how they're doing. Maybe with them one-on-one. My mom made them trick-or-treat bags for Halloween, drop those <laughs> off, drop those off to them so that, that they have those and things of that nature. But I try not to Zoom too much because that's, that's all we're doing class-wise. Uh, we are pretty much, I'd say 99% online. So mm. although nine, I, all of my players are on campus minus one or in Atlanta, at least our freshmen are on campus, but they're still not in person for class. And so by the time I asked for a team Zoom, you know, they've probably had about 40 Zooms literally Mm. by that week. And so I don't want to overwhelm, but I also want to keep involved. But two of the big ways we kept them involved this over the fall that was amazing was our alumni career panel. So trying to engage our alumni for sure. And the really, and they want to understand what's going on as well, but that was really big. So we've had a business one and a career in sports uh, panel, and we've got a couple others coming up. So that's been great to you for us as well. And it's certainly different ways I've seen uh, keeping involved and, and, and keeping the alumni involved too is certainly helpful. Let's be honest, you know, yes, there's a blanket waiver out there for all Division three athletes, even if you win a national title, and there's opportunities for students to, to get this year back, as it were. Mm-hmm. But you aren't necessarily at an institution that, that that's easy. And I'm not saying because Emory will keep it back, but the school's not cheap. A lot of your student athletes are most likely got jobs lined up, especially your seniors, ready to go after the year is over, uh, so on and so forth. I, I'm assuming this is a lost year, literally, for, mm-hmm. for your program. Um, absolutely. We're going to miss, we're going to miss our players that, you know, won't be returning or whatnot, uh, next year for sure. And that was a big decision for them. And you're absolutely right. What makes Emory one of the best institutions of the country is what makes it very difficult in times of a pandemic. And, you know, it's, it's very hard to turn away a job offer from a fortune 500 company, um, and, and playing basketball. And I, and I say that, and, you know, I've got student athletes that really debated on that for a long Mm. time, rather to make that decision because they love what they do so much and you know as the adult I'm like all right I I loved my career and this I I would loved it at Emory but you know you've got to think about everything so of course you know I do appreciate our university has been willing to be flexible and try to figure out ways to make it work as far as credits and graduation but at the end of the day the rest of the world's not going to stop stop going just just so they can get that year back so it's been challenging for sure but it's you know, they've got to make tough decisions. And unfortunately, they're having to make some tough adult decisions, with, you know, maybe a year sooner than they would have liked. Uh, the other part of that is, is there a bit of, and I don't mean this shallowly, I, I, I really mean this seriously, is there a bit of counseling that goes along with this? Because the seniors are going in to what they expected to be their final year, and it's up before it even started. And that's why, you know, I actually met with our two seniors in person to talk about it with them. But yes, I think counseling, a therapy session for sure. And, you know, there's obviously an anger piece. There's a, you know, there's an emotional reaction to that. And of course, at the end of the day, they understand. Um, but it, and that you're absolutely right. Like the, you know, the route of understanding is, is so under-recognized for them for sure. But yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think they still deal with it every day. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's tough and challenging for them to see other teams playing, but you know, there's nothing they can really change. Of course, if I, if I tell them like, Hey, we're playing, they're going to be the first ones showing up at practice. You got two days to get back to Atlanta. They'll be here. Uh, But yes, it's, it's challenging. Curious what else you are involved with? Cause I realized looking at other campuses and talking to other individuals, coaches are taking on different roles and, and different responsibilities for a host of different reasons. I'm curious if that's the case at Emory and what you might be involved in. Not 
too much as far as for myself and other head coaches. When I say not too much, our usual day-to-day things of what we'd be doing coaching-wise, but as far as from a university standpoint, we don't have um, additional administrative roles or like I haven't been reassigned to another department or things like that for our head coaches, which has been great. And, you know, and it's allowed me time to focus on maybe aspects of our program that I wouldn't have the time to, especially in December. Um, And so from the alumni piece, fundraising, just evaluating what we do um, as far as, you know, as far as game plans also allowed me more time to watch the college game um, and professional game now that's coming back. And I try to watch that, of course, during the season, but when I've got my own scout, I can't, you know, it's it's a struggle to watch the, the other games as well. So it's been, it's definitely allowed me to just refocus time on areas that I haven't been able to. Yeah, that's interesting. Everybody obviously does it different, but you're right. I mean, in December, you don't have a chance to connect with your alumni, I assume, as much. And mm-hmm. you know, certainly want them involved. And you don't get a chance to do that. It's summertime, and they may be hard to find in the summer. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. We didn't get a chance to talk to you since you took over the program in a blur in October yes. of 2017, when Christy Thomas Cuddy stepped down suddenly, you've been a yeah. Obviously, you were with her. You played with her, and then you coached with her for a number of years. You were suddenly thrown the the whistle, as it were, and said, "Good luck." Uh, how how was that experience in that transition? It was it was challenging. Um, you know, just first, of course, the initial shock of seeing your mentor and your mm. coach, your you know who you worked for and who you played for, step away from the game she loved. Obviously, you hear you hear her voice all the time. So it's great that she's back at back back at part of the game. But it was a uh, you know I'm a very those that know I'm a very type A person, very organized and to do. So I was not uh, was not looking to be a head coach anytime soon at that time. At that point in time, for me, I was like oh, that might be. I think Dave, I even said like ten years from now or something. Sure. And so happened much sooner than I thought. And I'm the person that I want to check all these things off. And, you know, she had told me, uh, Christy had said, you know, sometimes you're never going to be fully ready is, you know, and this, uh, what I have liked, a, a, you know, a little bit more heads up, sure. But it was hard. But at the same time, I mean, I loved it because I was like, I got a free year. I was like, if anybody can do an interim year, go do it. Uh, but That's I got true. a free year to kind of a free test drive of being a head coach, if you will. My players, I can't say it enough to that to that 2017-2018 roster, but they were incredible. I mean, from the time I found out until they find out, one of my players is Ashley Oldshu, actually tracked me down in our parking garage and was like, hey, whatever you need for us to assist you to make this easy at 9 p.m., we got you. And they just let me do, and they, they just let me be. They let me mess up. They let me, they're kind of like, hey, we got it. We know you're, you're under a lot here. But it was a fun year. It was challenging, of course, because, you know, you want to grow it. You don't want to just mess up and, you, you know. But it was awesome. It was, it was a learning experience for sure. And I'm glad to still be sitting here, that's for sure. I was going to say, they, apparently it was good enough that they took the interim tag off and told you <laughs> you could have the job. Whether you wanted it, I don't know, but you get to keep yes. it. Yes, I absolutely absolutely wanted it. Once I, you know, once I got in there, I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're trying to stay for sure. And quickly, because I ask this all the time of, of alums who are coaching their alma maters, what is it like to, to be coaching your alma mater from your perspective? It's amazing, Dave. It's it's incredible. Just to have that attachment to a program and just the, I think the the pride in it is just so that just that word doesn't even do it justice that you know I got to wear blue and gold now I get to work for blue and gold and it's amazing it's it's incredible and just seeing the program build and seeing where it can go and just 
having, you know, as an alum, of course, you always want that connection to your alma mater and having that direct connection. Now, if you ask my players, sometimes they may be like, yeah, it's cool that she's an alum, but it hurts us in some ways because, you know, they may come to my office and they're like, coach, you don't understand like this class is so challenging. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I took that class mm -hmm. in building B in that room and I had that professor. So you're fine. Um, and so when they say that, and you know, we have the same strength conditioning coaches are like, you don't understand he or she's challenging. And I'm like, I had those same sprints at that time in the exact locker room, exact shoes. So I think in moments like that, they're like, man, I don't know about this, but it's, it's incredible. I know we all say we don't feel like it's a job, but I, I never felt like it's a job a day in my life. That's cool. Uh, and a great campus, obviously, to be on. Weather isn't too bad down there most <laughs> most days. Not um, at all. No, no complaints, as they say. Well, Coach, I appreciate the, the time and the perspective. I, I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but it gives us an idea of what it's like to be at a campus or be with a program who's not playing this year and what you all are doing to try and, well, not make it normal, certainly, but move forward. So I appreciate the time. Uh, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yes. Th thank you, Dave, again for inviting me onto the show. And to our fans out there, we, we look forward to being back. And I wish everyone a healthy end of the year and to stay safe. Well said. Coach, thanks for the time. Good luck in this oddity of a year. And we look forward to catching up with you and, and the program as you head into more calmer waters maybe down the road take care of yourself tell the team we, we wish them the best and we'll talk soon thank you dave she is misa jackson head coach of the emory women's basketball team joining us on the hoopsville blue frame technology hotline once again the perspective of emory university from misa jackson the head coach of their women's team thanks to her for taking the time to join us really interesting conversation especially considering where Emory sits, being in Atlanta City, in the city that is, of course, with a big-time hospital on its campus, or, or at least relatively nearby, the CDC, pretty much on its campus. Emory's in a very unique and interesting situation there, and they're not even having students on campus, or I haven't had them in at least the numbers that would allow athletics to be there as well, and so you got that sense from Coach Jackson, and we got a sense of how she and her team are dealing with it, and the dynamics in play, a lot of those students have lost this year of athletics. That's too bad. They won't be coming back uh, for a lot of absolutely legitimate and good reasons. And we appreciate the, the insight from Coach Jackson. To switch gears, when we come back, Mike Blaine of Plattsburgh State will join us. He's in his second year at Plattsburgh. He came from Madai. Of course, he's got a little bit of a different situation. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Hoopsville podcast presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. 
and a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Podcast as we continue to talk about the cancellations of basketball because of the coronavirus here in 2020 and soon to be 2021. Heard from Misa Jackson at Emory. Now time to change things. State school institution, more things run by the conference than necessarily the school in this decision. Mike Blaine of Plattsburgh State joins us to talk about the, the decision that was made mainly by the SUNY's system not the entire system, but the fact they're in the SUNY system, and what it, why it's a little bit different for him, his role on campus, interacting with his students and whatnot up in the great white north, probably at this point in time as the nor'easter hits the east coast, uh, in New York State. We talked to Mike a little while back about all of this. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Plattsburgh State men's basketball program, it is Mike Blaine, and sir, Thank you for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, all right. So the long and the short of it is you do not have a season. SUNYAC was the, one of the early conferences to pull the uh, schedule out from everybody. But not only did they pull the schedule, the SUNYAC presidents also said, we're not playing anyway. This isn't, you don't even have autonomy to go schedule anybody, though I think you would be playing somebody in Quebec. Um, I'm curious, I mean, there's a lot of places we can go with this, Mike, but first and foremost, how is everyone just dealing with the fact that, um, early on you knew you had no season and it, and it wasn't like you, you had to wait to the end of the holidays. Yeah, I think, uh, our guys certainly got dealt a, a difficult blow as, uh, many student athletes are, you know, facing this news, uh, at various points in time throughout the fall and, and into the winter, uh, you know, to our guys credit, uh, they have handled it, uh, incredibly maturely, uh, with a poise and a grace that I think, uh, you know, it, it, I find very, very impressive because I, I think back to my own experience as a student athlete and, uh, how much of your time and your energy and your effort did you invest, uh, in athletics and in basketball, uh, as a player and, understanding the bigger picture the way they are that uh this virus is a is an ongoing situation that affects so much you know so many more people uh than just our you know program uh they've certainly been disappointed uh certainly uh a hard blow to deal with uh but you know they picked themselves up quickly and you know have have looked at the big picture and have really stepped up and and done some things you know in a mature fashion and and handled uh probably the hardest news uh, an athlete can receive uh about as well as I can imagine so I've been very very impressed with our guys and uh in in their approach to this and their response we'll talk about the macro side just how you all have been dealing with it in general over the time but I want to look at the micro and just that 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 bit of time when the decision was made uh, and you had to inform your team and, and the rest of, the, of your brethren and coaches had to inform their teams. And, and what, what, 
maybe give us, walk us through that, that moment or, or when you found out and when you decided to finally tell your team and, and such. Yeah, it was you know, Monday, October 19th, um, and it was a bit of a disappointing day because the original plans were that day was actually going to be the first day where we were going to be able to have some small group, uh, you know, uh, instructional work uh, with our guys. You know, they had done a good job, uh, you know, September all through early part of October. We had gotten through uh, an initial, you know, our initial tests, and, you know, we were looking forward to uh, Monday, October 19th to be a, a day, okay, hey, we can start to do some, you know, at least some skill work, some instruction, some, some small group. And that previous Wednesday, we had been told that that was going to get put on pause because of uh, a small uh, number of positive cases on campus. And so our guys understood that, uh, that, you know, okay, hey, we got to wait a little bit, you know, we got to continue to do the things we're supposed to do. And then Monday, uh, our athletic director, Monday morning, our athletic director, Mike Howard, uh, informed the winter coaches uh, that the decision had come from the uh, SUNYAC presidents that uh, there was not going to be a winter sports season. And so uh, we tried to, because the SUNYAC spread so wide, uh, we wanted, as coaches, we wanted to make sure that we were the ones delivering that news to our student athletes uh, as best we could. Monday being a, a difficult day for classes in terms of getting everyone on the same schedule. Uh, unfortunately, we had to share that in our group text, you know, in our group uh, chat text message uh, and then we set up a meeting uh, on zoom for that evening to kind of process that to uh, you know ask questions to, to uh, vent you know as, as you know and, and, and handle the the difficult news you know as a group uh, since we couldn't do it in person ordinarily obviously that'd be some news you'd want to deliver in person but uh, given given the current state of things we did the best we could to share the information as quickly as possible and to provide uh, our student athletes an opportunity to uh, to work through to work through the, that initial uh, reaction. I I would not want, I, I'm not going to admit I know your roster all that well. It's impossible to keep rosters memorized, and and everybody's been a little bit with COVID, not posting them and stuff, which makes sense. But do you have seniors and stuff on this roster with which this may have just submarined their their last possible season? Uh, waiver aside. Yeah, well, we've got two seniors, Matt Bernhard and Travis Cox, and both of those guys. That's that's the hardest. Uh, that's really the the, the toughest uh, challenge for you know for for me as a coach. Obviously, hopefully, God willing, I'll be doing this for many many more years. But uh, you know, when you're a student athlete, you only get four years, and when circumstances beyond your control. Uh, cancel your season uh, at, at any point in time, it's incredibly difficult. But for those two seniors uh, to have that, that see their season, senior year canceled on them, you know, for, again, as I said, things out of their control is incredibly difficult. Both of those guys, you know, if you, if you backtrack a little bit to uh, my late hire in the fall of 2019, both of those guys were outstanding as juniors in terms of uh, helping us, you know, uh, take the next step forward for the program. Uh, Travis is as competitive as, as they come and, and had a great junior year. I uh, was very, very excited to, to really step forward as a senior. Uh, Matt was outstanding for us as uh, a really, really highly intelligent young man that, that uh, you know, understands the game very, very well and kind of brings guys together at a, at a great level. And so uh, both of those guys uh, are, were 
there are and continue to be vital parts of our program. And I'm just heartbroken for both of them to not have a chance to have their senior year. They're both going to step forward and do great things in their next chapter. Uh, Matt's a 4.0 GPA and he's, you know, heading towards med school uh, in the fall. And Travis is doing a great job in the classroom and is going to pursue a master's degree in criminal justice uh, next fall. But unfortunately, uh, those, you know, those academic opportunities, which are wonderful, uh, aren't going to be a Plattsburgh state. And so, you know, to not have a chance to see them off the right way uh, on the court uh, is, is it was tough for them and certainly uh, certainly difficult uh, for us as a program to, to not get a chance to wish them well uh, as they move forward. I was going to say they're not coming back. They are not, unfortunately. I, I wish like heck they you know, I, I wish we could snap our fingers and put together a med school and a criminal justice master's program uh, overnight so we could try to keep them, but uh, they're doing great things. You know, they've been tremendous ambassadors for our program uh, over the last four years and, and you know, we'll continue to be moving forward. So uh, definitely, definitely heartfelt, uh, you know, heartfelt absences uh, you know, for, for them as, as our program moves forward here. Let's look a little more on the macro side leading up. What, what's it been like to try and adjust things and adapt to things before the cancellation? And what were your hopes for this season? Yeah, we were just hoping that there was some way we could find a way maybe to get on the court. And we understood, you know, I think uh, early on the SUNYAC got ahead of things for the fall semester uh, in terms of announcing that the fall sports were not going to be able to play and uh, in turn also telling, you know, the winter sports, hey, if we're able to start, we're not starting until, you know, January. And that was a, a bit of a, a – an adjustment for our guys uh, in the summer, but they handled that well. They said, okay, you know, they, they hunkered down. They, they said, hey, we got to do what we're supposed to do to give ourselves the best chance. And we talk about that all, we talk about that all the time as a program is we try to do uh, as many of the right things as we possibly can to give ourselves a chance. That doesn't guarantee that it's going to go our way, but uh, to their credit, you know, we didn't see – uh, large gatherings in the fall. Guys were making sure that they were doing their job in terms of, uh, you know, mask wearing and distancing and all the things you hope because they wanted to try to have a chance. And, uh, you know, but they understand, again, they understand that it's a, uh, there's a, a larger, larger world out there and there, there are bigger issues uh, beyond our desire to, to play basketball. And, you know, they, they took that in stride, but it's, it's, a, it's a difficult challenge for them. But we were just trying to do anything we could to hopefully get on the court for some workouts and then, you know, maybe hopefully get on the court for an abbreviated SUNYAC schedule. Uh, the SUNYAC athletic directors and presidents had been uh, working on a, a condensed conference-only schedule that, you know, we had our fingers crossed for uh, for a point in time. But ultimately, uh, this is, uh, you know, it's not, not going to happen for us this year, unfortunately. You, yeah, you should point out the SUNYAC had kind of released information about that truncated schedule before the, 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 the rug was pulled out. So you guys had an, a brief glimpse of what may be uh, happening. But at the same time, I felt like, well, I, I'm, I'm curious what it's like. And granted, we've never been through a pandemic, so it's hard to, to compare. But you've been at private institutions, uh, whether you were playing or coaching. Now you're at a state institution. Being at a state institution, the decision's a little bit out of your control because it could even be out of your president's control. It could be the chancellor of the whole system who, who decrees this is done. This was more of your president and all the other presidents deciding for the whole group of you, not all the Sunnis, we should point out, um, but just that group of you, you were done. There's no decision in your athletic department. There is no decision on the micro level. It's, it's a well above your head. And what's it like to, to realize 
not that you don't have a say, but you don't have as much of a say. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's certainly a challenge because we all, as coaches and players, we all like to feel like we we have a little bit of a chance to control uh, our own destiny on the court, and uh, you know, unfortunately, that's just not the case this year. I, I think is again, I, I speak to the maturity of the young men in our program. Uh, they recognize that. They understand that it's you know it's easy to think in you know in small terms, but we're in a global pandemic that. You know, no one in our, has seen in the, the course of any of our lifetimes. Uh, and so we have to think big picture. And they understand that while I think our president, Dr. Yeti, our athletic director, Mike Howard, they know how important athletics is to, you know, Plattsburgh State and to our student athletes. They also have to consider the larger student body as a whole and the student bodies of all of, all of these SUNY campuses. And so uh, I think that. You know, they've done a good job understanding that, and, and our administration has done a good job communicating uh, their, the factors that they're considering and things that were going into their thought process uh, as, they, you know, as they move forward with their deliberations. And that's, that's the one thing I think has been, uh, I've been very appreciative of as a coach is Dr. Agnetti, our president, has done a great job providing a steady stream of communication to the university faculty, staff, student body on how things are going uh, at the present, you know, at, at any given day, we get a, a daily update and how that affects the university as a whole. And so uh, while we can't necessarily get our influence uh, the way we might like, we're at least remaining informed. And that's definitely, uh, that's definitely appreciated. It, it did seem that the state or the SUNYAC or whomever, this was a slow walk to what seemed inevitable. There was decisions about how far away you could travel, whether you could do overnights. These uh, were, I mean, there was a split in the, the SUNYAC eventually announced. There just seemed to be little baby steps as we walked that started restricting and restricting and tightening and tightening what you could, if anything, do. That from my perspective on the outside, it just felt like we were walking towards the cliff and it was just a matter of, at some point, we're going to step off of it. Did that lessen the the hit at the end, or did it still was a hit when it was canceled? Still feel just as brutal. No, I, I think it it hurt, always hurts just as much because you always want to continue to hold out hope that maybe maybe things are going to turn around uh, in our direction uh, the way we might like, uh, you know, somehow, some way. Uh, but I appreciated the, you know, as you talked about the gradual steps of SUNYAC, you know, was taking moving forward. I looked at it as they were continuing to work as hard as they possibly could to try to provide some type of meaningful athletic experience to all of our student athletes and that they wanted to exhaust every option that they possibly could before this cancellation. And I think uh, our student athletes would see that, that uh, this was not a wholesale decision made uh, in a snap at one point in time. It was a series of, of steps that you try to work, you know, we tell our guys, you, you want to work through every part of the process if you're, if you're going to you know, solve a problem and you can't skip steps. And the SUNYAC and the SUNYAC presidents did not. They kept trying to find a way uh, to, to make it happen. They kept trying to see if there was a path forward. And I appreciate the effort uh, of all those involved uh, to try to, to, to work out a plan that would be safe and healthy uh, for the student athletes and, and beneficial for them, for their experience. 
But I think, you know, as they work through the problem and, and work through the process, they realize that as many precautions as we can try to take, as many steps as we can take, ultimately uh, it just was not going to happen this year. But I appreciate, you know, as a coach, again, you always appreciate people trying to find a way to say yes before they just, you know, uh, automatically say no. And, and that, that was that was much appreciated. And I think our student athletes recognize that, that the conference and the administrations were trying to find a way to say yes. It just wasn't going to work out. Getting back to the team, you, you said that the day the announcement came was kind of when you were going to start micro, you know, little small group things and try and get the team kind of revving up and, and moving a little bit. What have you done since? And what are your plans moving forward in what is now a defunct season? Yeah, unfortunately, we weren't able to have uh, any any group workouts uh, this past fall. Uh, the university did a, uh, you know, had a small number of cases on campus. Uh, I think the student body did a very good job of managing those cases. I think the university administration did a did a great job managing those cases, uh, but there was a small number of cases that uh, continued throughout the back end of the fall. So unfortunately we weren't able to, uh, we weren't able to, to have any formal on-court work uh, this past fall, but we are very optimistic that we're going to have a chance to do that in the spring. Uh, I think the, the, the university has done consistent and thorough testing for the student body and we, the athletic department is developing a plan in place in conjunction with the county health uh, office that when these student athletes return in February, we can hopefully put, a play, you know, put something together where we can have some type of meaningful uh, athletic instruction as, as we move forward here into the, into the uh, out of the winter and into the early parts of the spring. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious and I don't know if this is justified or not, there were some SUNYs that had some serious problems with case numbers. And the decision to, to kill the season was kind of on the tail end of a couple schools just struggling and one president resigning slash fired because of those numbers. Do, 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 is there any sense on campus within the department, on the team, or whatever, of maybe those were some of the reasons everything got pulled out and a little bit of, I don't want to say animosity, but, you know, frustration that at some campuses they didn't take this seriously as maybe you guys did on your campus or elsewhere. Well, the thing we try to emphasize is that we can control what we can control. And, you know, I, I think the, the best we were able to do is make sure that SUNY Plattsburgh's campus was as uh, monitored and managed as possibly could. And I think, you know, uh, certainly by no means were we perfect in that process, but uh, I think there was a consistent effort by and large by the student body to avoid large gatherings, to uh, to maintain distancing where they could. And at the end of the day, I t you know, we, we talk about this as, as, as coaches with our players. The best, the, the best thing we can do is we can control ourselves, but we can't control anybody else. And I think our student athletes understand the SUNYAC, uh, while all located in the state of New York, uh, is spread across the state uh, far and wide. And that, e you know, each region of New York is kind of having its own uh, shape and its own uh, situations to deal with uh, with regards to the uh, to the nature of the virus. And so, you know, I think people understand, you know, a lot of our student athletes come from New York City uh, that, you know, the, the experience of the virus, 
you know, down in the city uh, had a different shape than maybe up here in the North Country, you know, at, at its peak. And so uh, I think we understand, you know, our student athletes understand that uh, we do the best we can, but we have to look, you know, be, uh, across a large geographic region and, uh, you know, statewide in many different places. And it, it's difficult to manage you know, 10 different schools in the same conference that are all not necessarily in the same neck of the woods and kind of all have 10 unique pictures to, to kind of put together. And so, uh, so I think it's, it's certainly tough when you feel like you're doing your part, but I think our student athletes recognize that's all we can do. And we've got to trust that, you know, the, the best decision was made uh, for the, the, the conference at, at whole. Of course, one of the other things is enrollment and tuition and, budgets that are being cut to, to offset lower tuitions or lower enrollments, less tuition, blah, we can go through the litany, including states who are hemorrhaging money trying to fight this thing and they're going to cut wherever they can cut. I, let's be honest, you're not coaching right now. You've, you've got a team that's in limbo. Hopefully you can do some stuff with them in the, in the next year. But what are you and, and the rest of the staff doing to maybe not only stay busy, but almost offset what isn't being done or if that makes any sense no absolutely i mean i i think that that's always the the common question you get from people outside of athletics well the season's over what you know what are you doing you know you're a coach but there's no games now anymore well, so i wasn't your... trying to be uh, no 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 i understand <laughs> i just i, I get Mike, uh, what are you the... doing I got a lot of the questions from, from folks in town that know that, you know, I'm a coach, but, you know, they don't work at the university. Oh, well, what's happening? They cancel your season now. So uh, I think the, you know, uh, the most important aspects of our coaching process are still going on, which is uh, assisting our student athletes. Academic support uh, is continuing to, to, you know, take place uh, virtually, you know, a lot of times on Zoom and Zoom and email and that sort of thing. So we're continuing to, to support uh, the academic progress of our student athletes. Uh, obviously, we're continuing the recruiting process uh, of, of bringing new student athletes into our program. Uh, admittedly under some unique circumstances with the high school seasons that are going, going on uh, in and around the state and, and beyond. Uh, but our athletic department as a whole uh, has actually really stepped up for the university and I give uh, credit to Mike Howard and our fitness director, uh, uh, fitness Recre recreation director, Karen Waterbury. Uh, the coaches and the athletic department staff members have stepped in to uh, serve as monitors for the isolation and quarantine dorms because we have had a small number of cases on campus and the university has done a great job acting swiftly when they find student athletes uh, or excuse me, students uh, with you know, positive tests and are moved into one of one or two dormitories. And so the coaches and the athletic department staff members are serving uh, as, you know, monitors uh, in that isolation and quarantine dorms. Uh, we'll, we'll cover a three-hour shift. Uh, we'll help make sure meals are delivered, care packages are delivered, uh, answer any questions in terms of when folks have, uh, have made their, you know, made out of their time out of quarantine, uh, you know, the 14 days and, and their, you know, uh, tests are negative and their symptoms are gone. Uh, we help them transition, you know, out. We help uh, log people in when they do have to step in because of contact tracing or, or things of that nature. And so, uh, so the coaching staff has, has been very, very busy uh, helping the student body just in a different way and, and uh, working as, a, as ambassadors for the university uh, and just trying to do what we can to help those students uh, that are having to face isolation or quarantine uh, for, again, for 
positive tests, sometimes just for contact tracing, uh, for, for safety measures and, and making sure that they're feeling helped and supported. And it's coaching just in a different fashion, basically. We're, we're all, our ultimate goal as coaches is to serve the needs of, of our student athletes. And uh, right now, the Plattsburgh State coaches are, are you know, fortunately, our student body is, is home for the winter break now, but uh, this past fall semester and into, I'm sure when, when the students come back, we'll be continuing to serve their needs in, uh, in the isolation quarantine dorms and helping, helping our students in that transition. Now, before we let you go, I'm kind of curious, what's it like to work with, deal with, be there for a student who is heading into those um, isolation quarantine dorms, maybe with a positive test? Because I can imagine especially young people, their world has just been shook. Yeah, we basically, we just try to help provide them as much information as they can. Our, our health center has done a great job of that. Uh, anytime any of the students are, are stepping into the, to the I&Q dorm, uh, they have all the necessary information. So they have a lot of questions, but sometimes you just like to, you know, they have all the, all the answers on, on paper, but sometimes you just like to have somebody to talk to, you know, and, and right. help keep your spirits up. So we'll, we're having coaches and staff members that are just texting, you know, texting students in there. Hey, how's your day going? Is there, is there something I can do to help? Is there something you need? Uh, you know, whether it's food, you know, uh, a, a call, you know, something to uh, anything to keep, keep folks spirits up during admittedly unusual and incredibly difficult times, you know, uh, physical health and, but also mental health, obviously, you know, you're, you're quarantined in a dormitory room. That's not yours for, for 14 days. That's a little bit of a, of an odd experience. So we're, you know, as coaches, we're doing whatever we can to help, uh, coaches and staff. Uh, I don't want to, I, I don't want to exclude, uh, you know, our, our sports information department, our athletic trainers as well. They're doing a, uh, an incredible job pitching in, but we're all just trying to do whatever we can to, to keep the spirits high for those students that do have to, to separate themselves a little bit from the community to help, uh, help keep our numbers down and help, help us move forward positively as a university. Mike, just between you and I, um, just to see if he's listening, you can skip the SID office. It's okay. <laughs> no, Brian Savard, Mark, uh, no, 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 they've, been, not they've been doing a great job. Bleep, they've been doing a great bleep. job. <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, they are. And uh, Brian, Brian and I go way back. So I, that was just my subtle effort to see if he's listening. Basically, I'm sure I'm willing to bet he will be. So if I don't get a text message off of that, I'll know he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um, hey, listen, I appreciate the time. Um, I know it's tough up there. I know it's tough for a lot of the Sunnis and other places. I appreciate the insight and knowledge. My hat tip to you guys, my hat tip to your team. I'm sorry that they have had to experience what they've had to experience, but we, we know in the long run. Well, hopefully we'll get back to some kind of normal and they can get back to some kind of normal. But in the meantime, a lost season is still stings. So I appreciate the insight and uh, my, my, my heartfelt sympathies to everybody. Uh, before we let you go, as always, we give the uh, last word to our guests. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, no, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, Dave. Again, I want to just continue to praise uh, the young men in our program uh, for their maturity and the approach that uh, they've taken and how they've handled very, very difficult news, uh, you know, that, that's jarring for any student athlete. Uh, I, I want to praise the student body. Uh, again, you know, we haven't 
been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I have seen a solid, consistent, concerted effort for uh, the students to to do what they can to try to help, you know, to, to, to distance, to wear their masks, to, to do the best they possibly can. And I just want to continue to encourage uh, everyone out there to try to do, to do their part as best they're able to, that we can all try to pitch in and, and do the best we can to uh, help slow things as much as possible. And uh, fingers crossed, you know, we've got some optimism, hopefully on the horizon here, we can get back to, to competing at a high level for, for D3 athletics here very, very soon. Well said, sir. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree on all of that. Thank you for your time. Good luck. Enjoy the holidays the best you can. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to touching base with you somewhere down the road when we're talking about how your team's doing and how the SUNYAC competition is. Can't wait, Dave. Thanks very much. Absolutely. He's Mike Blaine, head coach of the Plattsburgh State men's basketball team, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. So there you have it from Dr. George Barber at Greenville. Once again, thanks to him for joining us. A very in-depth conversation, a very lengthy conversation. I hope you didn't mind the time. I didn't feel like editing any of it out because I thought it was all very important and very interesting. First off, let's go back to the system. If you didn't pick up some of the notes there, they're not playing the Grinnell system. They're not playing the one we are so used to to thinking about it's much more aggressive defensively and they don't like being compared to it. I, I can understand that. And, uh, certainly, well, raises my, um, interest to say the least. Uh, the other thing, just what they're trying to do to be on the floor. And unfortunately how it doesn't work out all the time. They are done for this semester. Uh, didn't get a chance to play the game they wanted to. I don't know if they would have Stopped what was a 34-game winning streak, now 35-game winning streak at all. But needless to say, um, they're they're trying to get it done. They're trying to make it work. I think a lot of schools will model what they have done and what they are doing and see if they can go with it. Uh, I, I think <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, I also, let's keep an eye on whether... George Barber decides maybe he wants to be in the Division Three tournament uh, and and ducks the slack. I hope I haven't opened up Pandora's box there, but it was a question I think needed to be asked because there is an opportunity possibly there, despite the Slyak's ulterior plans. We'll see more as we follow the program into January and see where they go from there. When we come back, we'll head down to Texas, talk to a women's team, that if you looked at their schedule, you would swear there is no pandemic. They've got 24 games on their schedule. Talk to Harden-Simmons women's basketball, Kendra Hassel, when we return. You're listening to the Hoopsville Podcast. Back with more after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. 
For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to the second podcast of the year and of the week. It's our 18th season here at Hoopsville, and I thank you for taking the time to listen in. I want to thank our guests in Misa Jackson at Emory and Mike Blaine at Plattsburgh State for taking the time to join us. And I'll I'll say thanks now to their sports information directors as well at Emory, John, and at um, Plattsburgh, Brian. Appreciate their assistance in helping us do this show. Uh, Our third podcast, which will be out by the end of the week, we're going to take more of an administrative look at the at the challenges and the uh, unintended consequences, maybe, or whatever, the shakeup that the coronavirus has presented. We'll talk to two institutions that have seen this from the start and talk to their administrators about how they've gone about trying to make decisions, whether to keep playing or to cancel, and the student-athletes that have been affected by those, those decisions. We'll talk to, from Yeshiva, Joe Bardish, the... Bardash, I apologize for saying that a little bit differently there. Uh, the athletics director there. Remember, Yeshiva is basically what started the coronavirus being a very serious conversation here in Division Three. when on this show, Hoopsville, the night before the start of the NCAA tournament, Yeshiva was kicked out of their hotel. And we had Elliot Steinmetz, the head coach of Yeshiva, on here talking about that experience, what they were doing to adjust. And, of course, this was following up on Johns Hopkins closing down the games to the public games that were going to be very much popular um, for everybody due to the nature of yeshiva as an institution and the and the large Jewish community that is in the Baltimore area. And that started the ball rolling downhill. And, of course, another significant decision that week, an hour and a half before the first games on that Friday in the first round, Amherst shut down their doors or gym or whatever you want to call it to fans, catching a lot by surprise. We're going to talk to their um, AD. Um, He joins us to talk about the decisions Amherst has had to make, including them canceling winter sports very early, and fall sports very early as well, and even takes a look at what they can do or can they do in the spring. And it's a juxtaposition with uh, Yeshiva, who's still trying to play. They're still trying to have athletics be an important part there at yeshiva so you'll get those different conversations i i found both of them very insightful and then we'll talk to pat coleman at d3sports.com d3hoops.com about the fact that the coronavirus has had a significant impact on us and how you can help us stay afloat because it's going to need some help to keep the websites up and running and we'll compare that to what you have done for us at hoopsville and how your help has for the most part, possibly saved us for a little bit. We'll discuss it all on the next podcast. Of course, stay with D3Hoops.com and D3Sports.com. We'll keep you up to date with uh, cancellations, decisions on postponements, whatever the case may be for institutions uh, heading towards winter sports, especially basketball. And stay with me on Twitter. I will be tweeting out as much as I can when I learn it. At D3 Hoopsville, we use a hashtag Hoopsville for the show, but D3 Hoopsville and hashtag D3 Hoops 
Hashtag D3 Hoops is where you should follow to follow news on Division Three basketball as well. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, and Instagram uh, at D3 Hoopsville as well. You can email us if you ever have questions or thoughts or whatever, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Again, thanks to those at Emory and at Plattsburgh State for helping us with this with this show. We hope you'll tune in to the third one. I hope you got a chance to listen to the first one as well. Go back and listen to that one. It's It's well worth your time. And we'll look forward to the next one coming out here very shortly before the end of the week. You listen to the Hoopsville. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also, D3Hoops.com. Everybody I work with there for their help. And, of course, also at Blue Frame Technology, we're a sponsor of our hotline. And hopefully when we get back on the air video-wise, we'll be back on their platform at Team One Sports as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back with a third podcast coming up. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen and watch Hoopsville. broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.